0: For the new year, the seven ups, we've already talked about wake up. Secondly, we talked about dress up. Now this morning, we're going to talk about look up, look up. Did you know that your focus is extremely essential? I want us to notice something from Luke chapter 21 and look with me at verses 25 through 28. Jesus is talking about the end of days or the last days. And one of the recurring themes of scriptures has to do with our focus and what our eyes are fixed upon. He said that there would be great perplexity, that there would be great distress in verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now let me stop right here. I understand that contextually he's speaking to the Jews, but these things also apply for us today. How many of you know that there's been a little distress in the earth? Lots of shaking going on. Thank God you and I have come into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But now notice with me in verse 26. And let's apply truth here. He said here that men's hearts would fail them for fear and I want you to pay particular attention and looking after those things coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So men's hearts, people experiencing heart failure. Of course, that can mean naturally, but I believe what he's talking about is spiritually. In other words, Fear and anxiety would be so great that men's hearts would begin to fail them. And the reason why is because they're looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Now notice with me in verse 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. And... When these things begin to come to pass, look down. Look out. No? He says, when these things begin to come to pass, do what? Look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Every one of us in this auditorium today will have to answer the question, are we looking after or Are we looking up? When the world looks like it's falling apart, don't look out, but look up. Because your and my redemption draws nigh. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 121 verse 1. He said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Now understand this. That getting your eyes focused on Him is an act of your will. It's something that you have to do purposefully. You have to do with an absolute quality decision every day of your life. I want us to notice in verses 2 through 8. Would you read with me today? Ready, read. My help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee shall not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never some slumber or sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Read verse 8 with me. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forevermore. Lift up your eyes. Look unto him. And as you do, you can bank on this, that he will preserve you. He will keep your foot from being taken. Paul praying for the church at Thessalonica said this. He said, I'm praying That the very God of peace would keep you. That he would preserve you. That when the Lord returns, that your whole life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, every area of your life would be intact. And that's the will of God for you. Your heavenly Father wants you to live on this earth with a sense of that Jesus is coming soon, but he also wants you to live in victory. He does not want his bride, his church, hiding in a cave, waiting for him to return. He didn't say, hide until I come. He said, occupy till I come. We're in the service of the Lord. We're in the occupational army, amen? We're occupying. We are doing our very best as good soldiers of Jesus Christ to let everyone that we can possibly tell the good news. Psalms 123 says this. I look to you, heaven-dwelling God. I look up to you for help. Everyone say, I'm looking up. So when you feel down... And there are days where we all feel down, whether we want to admit it or not. Aren't you glad that we don't live by feel, that we live by faith and not by sight? We don't live according to our emotional area, but we live according to our spiritual life. But there are days when the enemy will press you and try to oppress you and try to depress you. And so when you feel down, don't look down, look up. Because that's where your help is coming from. I discovered in the Word of God that He is the glory and the lifter of our head. You see, there are times in life where you and I are going to need some help. Somebody say, somebody help me now. We're going to need some help. And I like what Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says. Notice this. He said, don't be afraid for I am with you. The great I am. The creator of the whole universe is with you. He's not only with you, but he's for you and he's living on the inside of you. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed or confused because I'm your God. He said, I'm going to strengthen you. And he says, also, I'm going to help you. And I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, that's good news. That's awesome news. So when we are in need of help, he is our helper. When you're going through hell, look up for help. He lives on the inside of you. You've got the greatest helper in the universe living down here. It is the Holy Ghost, your comforter, your helper, your counselor, your strengthener, your standby, your intercessor, your wisdom. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God for heaven's help. Lift up your voice and say, thank God. Thank God. I, have I have his help. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-mm-mm. H2O. Everyone needs it. See me in the foyer. I have them on (laughs) sale. Look at Psalms 3, if you would. Psalms 3. You know, they say you're supposed to drink about half of... If you weigh, you know, 200 pounds, you're supposed to drink about 100 ounces of water. That's a lot of water. Psalms 3. Lord... How are they increased that trouble me? Now, that's not the kind of increase we want. Okay? Many there are they that rise up against me. Verse 2. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are my glory and you are the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. When you cry unto him for help, he will answer, and he will lift you up out of that hellish situation by his resurrection power. I discovered in Hebrews 1.3 that he is upholding all things by the word of his power. Think of that. The entire universe is being upheld by our Creator. The entire universe. The sun, the moon, the stars. This universe is still expanding at the speed of light. You cannot put and wrap your mind around that. We serve an awesome God. We serve a big God. The God of the Milky Way. The God of Mars. The God of all the stars. And yet he knows your address. And he's got every hair on your head numbered. And he knows how to meet your need. He knows how to... Answer you when you look up to him and cry unto him for help. The other day I was studying and I thought of a song and I couldn't remember the name of it, so I Googled it because I had a phrase in it. But I love this old song. It's by Russ Taft. How many of you remember the Imperials? Now we're dating ourselves, but they had a song called Praise the Lord. And I can't sing it, but I can recite it. When you're up against a struggle, that shatters all your dreams. And your hope's been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested scheme. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. And then the chorus is, praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. For the praise the Lord, for the chains that seem to bind you, they serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. See, praising him is another way of saying looking to him. Now Satan is a liar and he wants to make us think that we are paupers, that he but when he knows himself, we're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith. For the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen. So the work's already done. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you. They drop powerless behind you when you praise him. I wonder if there's any praisers in this place today. I wonder if there's any people who have been through a midnight hour, but in your midnight hour, you looked up and you tapped into his power. Instead of belly aching and complaining and whining, you started praising and praising and all of a sudden God sent his deliverance. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, there's power in praise. There's power when you lift up your voice and you set your affections on him. Say it with me. He is is. my glory. glory. He is is. the lifter up of my head. head. Now, let me do a little summary for you today for the sake of time. And uh, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles in a moment. And we're going to look at verse 12 in a moment, but just hold it. I want to set this up for you. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says it came to pass that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Amorites, the Ammonites, came up against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against thee, which is beyond the sea. On this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazm and Atmanar and in Gedi. And the Bible says, Jehoshaphat reverenced the Lord and he set himself to seek the Lord. You see, when the battle is arrayed against you, it's not time to tuck tail and run, it's time to stand still and to set yourself and seek God. Because God has a battle plan for every war that's waged against you. And so, he set himself to seek the Lord. In verse 4, Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. In other words, they looked to him, even out of the cities of Judah, that came to seek the Lord. Verse 5, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem... In the house of the Lord before the new court. Now here's what they did. They prayed. That's a good thing to do. They prayed corporately and they prayed unitedly. They looked up unto him who had their answer. Now notice with me in verse 12. And you can bring it up there. Here is part of what they prayed in verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we don't have any might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do. Now read that last phrase. But our eyes are upon you. you. When difficulties come your way, do not gaze at the problems. Simply glance at them and gaze at your Creator. The 25th psalm says this My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. And so, when our back is up against the wall and it doesn't look good, here's what we need to do we need to look up, just like the children of Israel looked up. They needed answers. Have you ever needed some answers? Have you ever needed some wisdom? You know, the Bible says if any of you lack wisdom, all we've got to do is ask of God. And He will give us the wisdom that we need. But the last thing we want to do is get into the reasoning realm and say, well, if we do this, then this will happen. If we do that, then that will happen. It's okay to think about things, but we should be thinking about things with the perspective of, first of all, getting His thoughts. In other words, Set your affection on him. Look unto him. Well, here's what happened. And I'm going to just read it to you so you don't need to follow along. It says in verse 14, In that kind of atmosphere, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the scene. Do you want the Spirit of the Lord to come upon the scene and give you direction when you need it? Then put your eyes on him. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Bananiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. I love it when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us in the midst of the congregation. And here's what the Spirit of the Lord said. Listen, Judah, all you inhabitants of Jerusalem... And thou King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you. So who's doing the talking? Be not dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. Glory to God. They would have never heard that had they not looked to him. Verse 16. He says, tomorrow, here's what you do. Go down against them. Behold, they will come up to you by the cliff of Ziz. And you shall find them at the end of the brook. And the Lord will be with you. And here's what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. And they worshiped the Lord. Man, there was an atmosphere of reverence there, was there Not. Friends, when you set your eyes on him and he answers you, get on your face before God and worship him. Fear not, stand still, and you will surely see the deliverance of the Lord. Verse 19, and the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Koites stood up to praise the Lord of God, God of Israel, with a silent voice on high. No, they weren't quiet about it. No, they worshiped the Lord with a loud voice on high. Verse 20. And they rose early in the morning. I'm telling you, when you hear from heaven and you're saturated with the presence of God and the Spirit of God comes upon the midst of the congregation, you'll get up early. You can hardly wait to see what the Lord will do. And they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And all you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so that you may be established, believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And here's what the direction was. He had consulted with the people, and he simply appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, here's what they were to say. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, don't you know that might have sounded a little bit strange to them at first, but he said, no, here's what you do. When you go out before your enemy, I want you to put praise first. I want you to say continuously, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And the Bible says they began to sing and to praise the mere fact that he said they began means that there was a continuation. So I want you to see that children in the tribe of Judah, which is the tribe of praise in the Hebrew language. They went out there and they were worshiping God and they were declaring praise him for his mercy endures forever. And so they began to sing. And here's what the Lord did. He ambushed. The children of Ammon, the Moabs, and Mount Seir that came up against praise and they were smitten. Listen, friends, there's no enemy that can stand before anointed praise. The Bible said he ambushed them. That's good news. And notice with me in verse 23. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants utterly to destroy and to slay one another. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. How many of you know there was confusion in the camp of the enemy? And as a result, and we won't read the rest of it, but as a result, the Bible says that the children of Israel went in their camp and spoiled it. In other words, they took all the riches, they took all the goods. Three days it took them to gather up the spoils. Amen? So when you set your heart on him, and you focus on him, I believe that there will be results and spoil for you to gather. The enemy may have stolen from you, but I'm declaring he's got to restore to you sevenfold. Amen? So looking unto him for your deliverance, looking unto him and not yourself for your freedom is a major key in 2013. So today what we do is we behold Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus. So we behold him for deliverance for any and every situation we face, no matter how difficult it might seem. We understand this, that our power and our ability and our sufficiency is not on our own and of ourselves, but my power and my sufficiency and yours as well is of God. Now there's going to be times in our lives when things are going wrong. It will seem that everything has come against us. And it will seem like our back is up against the wall. But like I said the other day, and you're familiar with the game of chess, at the end of that game, when they have that one backed up against the wall, what they say is checkmate. And so when a person is checkmated in chess, they're down and out. But in this life... There is no such a thing as checkmate. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the king of kings always has one more move. He always has one more move. You may feel like you've been abandoned. You may feel alone and lonely. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying today, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. I will not ever leave you without help. I will not. I will not in any way leave you helpless or harmless. For I am on your side. And you can look to me and trust me. And I will deliver you for the Glory of God. Amen. Amen. How many of you had your back up against the wall before? Every one of us have had our back up against the wall. But here's the key. It's to keep your eyes on him. Behold the lamb. Behold the lamb is beholding Jesus. That's what John said. Before Jesus was to come into this earth. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. And what does the Lamb of God do? He takes away the sin of the world. In understanding redemption, the Lamb of God not only took away the sin of the world, but He also bought and paid for every person in the world to have strength and to healing and to have joy. Behold the Lamb of God. How do we behold the Lamb of God? Do we go to some sort of a a church where there's pictures of Him and, and uh, we just stare at those pictures. You know, when I was a little boy, I grew up Catholic and I have nothing against the Catholics. But just staring at all those saints and staring at all those pictures as a second and third grader didn't do any good to me. I was still as rebellious as I was when I, you know, walked out of church as I was when I walked in it. See, beholding the Lamb of God is looking unto Him. It is very important what we do with our eyes and where our focus is. Let me look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and let's look at verse 2 just for a moment. And this uh, particular teaching is going to take a couple of Sundays to do, so we're going to do look up to him on next week as well, because there's some really wonderful jewels. But notice with me in Hebrews chapter two, verse uh, 12, verse 2, It says, looking away from all that will distract, to who? So looking away from everything that would be a distraction in our lives unto Jesus. There are tons of distractions. There are distractions by the millions that you and I can get hung up in. And part of it is the media. And... Some of it is cell phones, and iPads, and computers. I I found something that was kind of cute the other day, and I thought I'd just give it to you food for thought. We'll just take a, a little break here for a moment. Have you ever wondered what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treated our cell phone? What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we flipped through it several times a day? What if we turned back, turn back to go get it if we forgot it? What if we used to? What if we used to uh, to used it to receive messages from the text? What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to our kids as gifts? What if we used it when we traveled? What if we used it in a case of emergency? That's something to make you go, hmm, where's my Bible? And one more thing, unlike our cell phone, we don't have to worry about our Bible being disconnected. Because Jesus already paid the bill. The writer goes on to say, it makes you stop and think, what are my priorities? And by the way, no dropped calls. You ever been out there on the road? I know John, uh, my oldest son, Lindy, and of course, our granddaughter Olivia, lived down in Southern California, and he works at a at a mega church down there. Both of them do, called Mariners, and uh, they work upstairs in the church, and then Olivia goes to the school and the daycare downstairs. And uh, just incidentally, one thing that Olivia said: she says, when I get older, I'm going to be upstairs. But. Uh, Lots of times, you know, John will, will call us and, and check in just to see what we're doing. We'll talk about the Lakers, the Warriors, the Niners, you know, whatever is going on in sports. And uh, we'll talk about what's going on in the family. But for some reason, there's a certain pocket down there in Southern California where he, he loses reception. And it's, it gets frustrating. You ever been on the phone and somebody's telling you something, you lose reception? You know, it's just, it's not a good thing. Um, And so we have to call him later. But the good news about our Lord is this. Is when you call unto him, you'll never lose reception. The line's never busy. He's always available to you. 24 hours a day and 7 days a week. How he does it, I have no idea. I don't understand it. You know, Bruce Almighty couldn't do it. He couldn't handle it. But you know what? Our God is God. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. And you know what? He's just waiting for you to look to Him. He's got every answer you ever, ever... He's got every answer to any question you will ever have. You know, when Patsy uh, Caminetti was here uh, this past year, One of the key things she said in that prayer conference was, the Lord told her at the beginning of 2012, ask me questions that only I can answer. Ask me questions. Inquire of me. I have your answers. Now, it's interesting to me that even though he has the answers, he won't tell us oftentimes unless we ask him. And so be an asker. Talk to God just like you'd talk to your wife. Well, maybe some of you, that won't work. Talk. To, <laughs> just, a, just a thought there. <laughs> talk to God just like you would your best friend. He's got your answers for you. So in life, there's going to be tons of distractions. The Bible says that the cares of this life, the uh, deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things, they enter in and choke the word. There are a million things viving for our attention. It might be pain in our bodies. It might be an unpaid bill. The Bible says, looking away from everything that would distract, unto who? Unto Jesus. For Jesus is in fact the author and the finisher of, of our faith. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3 if you would. And we'll talk again more next week about how to look, where to look and see some things that are really really will help you in your walk with God. But in Colossians chapter 3, I want you to notice in the message translation, I noticed this as I was studying, this is this is great. He says, "So if you're serious about living In the new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Rather, look up. Everyone say, "Look Look up. So he says, Look up and be alert to what is going on around you of what is going on around Christ, that's where the action is. See things from His perspective. How many of you know the way He sees things is the right way to see things? And He sees things through the lens of His Word. For He is the Word. When we say looking unto Jesus, we're talking about looking unto the Word. Because He is the Word of God. I love this. Look up and be alert and what is, what, to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Wow. Man, I, I, I cannot count the times where my, my vision has been blurred. And my vision has been not from His perspective, but from what's going on around me. That perspective. But then I've just taken time and said, Lord, I know that's not right. And so I pull away here now. And I spend some time just praying. And I spend some time in the Word of God. And I spend some time building up myself on my most holy faith. And all of a sudden, I'll break through the clouds. I'll break through the, the, the blur. And I'll see things clearly the way He sees them. And when you start seeing things from his perspective, guess what will happen? Life will get so much better for you. You see, he sees the end from the beginning of your life. And he sees that your final outcome is glorious. I know this for sure. There's no way that Brendan and I could be in ministry these 35 years. There's no way that we could be in this building. There's just no way. No way. Unless we had not taken the time to see his plan and his vision in our lives from his perspective. And when you start seeing things on the inside first, that's where it all starts. It won't be long before you'll be able to walk out and live out and act out his plan. Because he has put a blueprint of it on the inside of you. And so you'll need to discover that by looking To him. One last verse in Psalm 23. Let's look over there quickly. Psalm 23. So, what are we looking to him for today? Whatever you need. Look to him for wisdom, for he is your wisdom. Look to him for health, for he is the health of your countenance. Look to him for strength, for he is the strength of your life. Look to him for joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Look to Him for provision. Look to Him for guidance. I love this in Psalm 23. Let's read it together as we close today out of the message translation. Ready, read. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. And send me in a right direction. Even when the wave goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head and my cup brims with blessing. Verse 6. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So in 2013, we're going to wake up, dress up, and look up. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Praise God. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed or, or not, if you don't want to, that's fine. But... We want to acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Do we not? The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised Him from the dead, here's what will happen. You'll be saved. Amen. I was 23, 24 years old when I really acknowledged Him as my Lord and Savior. I just did it by rote and did it because I was supposed to do it in church. But I really didn't have the new birth until... I really believed here and I declared with my mouth His Lordship. So this morning, if you're here today and you'd like to acknowledge His Lordship over your life, you'd like to open up your heart and ask the King of Glory to come in and make Him your personal Lord and personal Savior, I want you to pray this prayer along with all of us together today because we do believe and because we do declare His Lordship. Let's lift up one hand toward heaven and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Jesus, I thank you that you went to Calvary's cross and took my place and became my substitute. I acknowledge that you lived a sinless life. And on Calvary, you became sin for me. Now I open up my heart. And I invite you. Resurrected Lord. Risen Savior. To come into my heart. I acknowledge. My belief. In you. And I confess. That Jesus. Christ is my Lord. Thank you master. For coming into my heart. Teach me your ways. Teach me your word. Fill me with your presence and with your Holy Spirit. Direct my paths, I pray. I say, as others have said today, that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And let's all declare this today based on what we've heard today. Say it, Lord Jesus... I purpose in my heart to look away from everything that would distract me unto you and your word. I behold the Lamb. I behold you in the word of God. Help me to see life, my life, from God's perspective. And in seeing it, I'll be able to walk it out. I'll be able to live it. Thank you, Lord. All week long, I'm going to look up. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your grace.